This is episode 94, Gender Affirmation. And here we are for another episode of SLP's Wine and Cheese. I'm Maria. And I'm Deb. And here's our podcast. For the realistic SLP who is actively anti-racism. Actively anti-racism. And our goal for the podcast is to continue to share others others' stories. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I got the other correct, people's stories. The yeah. Correct possessive S mm-hmm. on that. You know, I think I overthought that. But other people's stories and not only just talk about speech pathology, which is something we even put out there for our second year anniversary that we want to just open up the floor to more stories. So um, today coming up after right. this, we're going to have Christy voice on and she's going to talk about gender affirmation voice therapy and she's going to talk about evaluation and treatment with working with this population so stay tuned for that right and even if you don't work with that population and no matter who you work with before people become adults they're in your presence and it's best that you educate yourself on these issues and um you transfer your knowledge to the clients or students that you work with so that we can all contribute to a more um, progressive and open-minded society. So even if you work with preschoolers and you don't have any background in voice, um, I still strongly suggest uh, looking into this topic because it's, um, it's a cultural one. Absolutely. And we're all living in this world together and it's important to be aware of what's going on and you know, just to have that lens when you're working with human beings, you know, Mm -hmm. just being in the know and knowing what's happening. Yeah. And I wanted to shout out this Instagram, uh, read like a rock star. Mm. Um, it's, uh, Naomi O'Brien. She, uh, is great. She's got a lot of resources and she actually posted a meme today. It says before they become killer cops that create hashtags, they sit in our classrooms. They learn how to treat black people from us. They learn if black lives matter from us. So, um, that really, I don't, that really, uh, struck a chord with me. And I was thinking that's true. So like, there is a lot that we can do individually just to teach tolerance and acceptance. I mean, we are educators, right? At the end of the day, wherever we're working in a hospital, in a school, preschool. So we want people to be educated and more accepting and understanding. And, you know, do you know the the definition of ignorance is just not lacking the knowledge, right? So maybe just they just don't have the knowledge. And then our job as educators is to provide the people that we work with with knowledge. Of course, to communicate too, but, you know. Mm -hmm. Knowledge is power. Exactly. You know what else we all is powerful? Some, some wine sometimes. You know, oh, a yeah. little bit of wine just makes you feel good. You feel more <laughs> powerful. <laughs> Maybe that and was the, the wrong word, but well, I mean, the power of a little bit of wine is pretty great. You, it's it good to stay with a little bit of wine. Sometimes you have a little too much wine, and mm-hmm. then you decide you can't drink for the rest of June. Um, right. And your name you. happens to be Deborah. <laughs> Perhaps. No. Yes. No idea who we're talking about there. Yeah. So, but but if you maintain the Maria amount of wine, mm-hmm. um, then you're going to have a really good time. Do you see this fancy wine I got? 
I see. What is it? Yeah. So this, I reached out to them. They're called House Wine. I saw them featured in a magazine and I reached Mm -hmm. out to them and they were very kind to respond to me and they sent us some wine. I didn't get a chance to let you try some of this, Deb. So I'm mm-hmm. sorry I have drank it all. This is the And I saw you yesterday. So Yes, thank you. You could have brought that for me. You um, know what? Yes, I didn't though. So um yeah. <laughs> I- Anyone who is in New York City should check out Culture Lab all throughout the summer. Michael Che is putting on comedy shows there and it's gonna showcase all the comedians in New York City. Um and we were there yesterday and it was a lot of fun. So a lot it's of fun. A, it it's great. not a regular schedule. So check out his Instagram. <laughs> Michael yeah. Shea. Mm-hmm. C-H-E. That's how you spell it. Yeah. But uh, so this is a limited edition rosé bubbly wine that comes in a can. And I just loved it. And it was rainbow. And I feel like it's great for gay pride. And June is pride month. And we wanted to talk about different topics related to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so Deb was, so actually, hold on, let me take a sip of this before we get into it. Hold on, get my rosé right. with bubbles. It's carbonated wine, but not overly carbonated. I had wine in a can once and the guy at the liquor store said that was actually half a bottle of wine in the can. Wow. That it holds. Interesting. Yeah. Well, so I guess it's two glasses. All right. Well, here I go. Drinking it. It's very mm-hmm. smooth and I really like it. Yes, it does say two cans is equal to one 750 milliliter, bu- bu- ugh, 750 milliliter bottle. And this okay. housewife will donate $2 to the human rights campaign. So for every case Sweet. of limited edition rosé bubble sold. So I'm excited. Original housewine. They're a good wine company, guys. Check them out in their nearest liquor store. Um, have so you yes. been taking the ASHA courses before the um, pass runs out? You know what? I have not. And I, I knew one- I knew you weren't. Well, no, that's not true because technically today I listened for 10 minutes. It was about stress management. Because uh, the rest of the topics were like, you know, aerodynamic digestive tract. And I'm like, I don't have any kids on my caseload like that, even though that shouldn't stop me from taking a course. But I just wasn't so compelled to click on it. And then I saw one for stress management. I was like, I'm curious. I'm just kind of curious okay. what other people have to was say it good? about that. I didn't listen to that much of it, but so far it was good. Well, this one that I took, it's two hours and I, um, I want to take it again. It was so good. It's called Transgender Voice and Beyond, uh, Voice and Communication Training for Gender Expression. Um, it's by Linda Seifried, mm-hmm. Adrian B. Hancock. Um, so these two, they talked a tremendous amount about this population, the vocabulary associated, and the best part was they actually had several audio clips of one of their clients Mm, talking about their gender experience um about and about being misgendered often meaning that people are not identifying them as the gender that they identify themselves as Mm -hmm. and christy voice uh christy knickerbocker gets a lot into that in our interview later um but it was just so amazing to listen to this person's um story or journey And then they also, at one point, took the opportunity to fluctuate between the voice that um, they're practicing and their um, natural voice so that you could see the difference, how she had to work on um, increasing her pitch. Oh, so you got a little clip of what therapy actually like sounds like. More like the results, not the therapy sessions. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like a before and after kind of thing? 
Um, I would assume this person was probably speaking to an audience and they were mm. recorded, like talking about their experience. Oh, okay. Something like that. Like the person was, it was really great. So I highly recommend anyone to um, check it out. I'm going to have to check that out, Deb. I'm so glad that you're on here to turnkey this information, but I too would like to listen to it. So yeah, I'm going to have for to sure. add that. We only have six days. Okay, I'm going to hurry. I'm going to do it after we hang up with this interview. Yeah. But maybe I probably should listen to it before this recording, but that's okay. You're going to educate us, and I'm going to just kind of chime in here. So they break down what LGBTQ plus means, correct? Yeah. So homosexual crossed out instead to use gay people, gay man, lesbian. Mm -hmm. I guess because it's more specific, right? Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. And then heterosexual is now just straight. Right. So you identify as a gay man, lesbian, straight, whatever. Okay. Also, in terms of, like, tolerance training, it's important that, like, almost everyone be labeled so that it's not to designate any certain area of the population as the standard. So you wouldn't just say, like, gay people, gay men, lesbian, without also saying straight, you know, you wouldn't mm-hmm. want to say that straight is the automatic assumption, but that's also the label associated with somebody who would be interested in the opposite sex. Right. But then it's more than just that, right? There's asexual, mm-hmm. which I means you're not interested in any type of sex, I uh-huh. guess. And then pansexual. Yeah, which means that you're more on a spectrum. Right. Okay. Like a cross pan. Yes. Yeah. Then um, there's cross dresser you would wear clothes that would be culturally opposite of the uh gender that you were assigned to Mm. at birth okay all right good i'm glad that you have the exact definitions good and andronomous androgynous so that would just be like you look at a person and they're not really conforming to either uh, to the their gender um that they were assigned to at birth so it would be like um to be it, to be a bit clear, like if if there was um a girl who everyone might have described as a tomboy her whole life. Mm. Yes, the definition partly male and partly female in appearance of indeterminate sex. I um was listening to a podcast. I think it's, it was the Naked Beauty podcast, and they were talking about fashion and how fashion is trying to go more for that look. Like mm-hmm. you could wear like a shirt that's like. I guess what we would consider more like unisex, but it's like, okay, right. this could be for a man or it could be for a woman. And then like, you can't, you don't really have to tell the difference that like, oh, this is the woman's section. This is the man's section. Right. It's just like for everybody. And then you just pick the style that works for your body type. There's non-binary. That's a gender identity. Um, it's just one term used to describe individuals who may experience a gender identity that is neither exclusively male or female and is in between or beyond both genders. Mm-hmm. Um, non-binary individuals may identify as gender fluid, agender, third gender, or something else entirely. All right. Good to know that one, too. It could also be gender queer. We go under the non-binary. Oh, okay. All right. I'm looking as per this um, Asha. Oh, yes. Slides here. So that's where I'm getting my information from. If people are wondering, the Mm -hmm. name of the talk you mentioned: transgender voice and beyond voice and communication training for gender expression. And then transsexual. 
Right. So then that would be like you changed your gender from the one that you were assigned to at birth, but now it's more um, appropriate to describe that as gender affirmation, uh, transformation, something like that, where you're just um, affirming to the gender that you um, internally identify with. So it's not like you're changing genders, you're becoming who you always felt that you were. Right. Transsexual people, they may or may not undergo surgery or, and or like hormone therapy. Mm-hmm. And we did talk to your friend, mm-hmm. right, Miss Liberty. And yes. we have an interview with her down the line. Um, the yes, first Miss attempt- Liberty Hudson. You will hear from her shortly. <laughs> yes. We had some audio issues, so we couldn't have her interview for this episode, but it's just us for now and Christy voice, of course, but we'll have her on later. And she talks a little bit about the difference too. Yes. Well, she mentioned it to us. It's also like specific to her experience as well. So it's just like, just know, like there is no end all be all like language evolves with culture, culture Mm -hmm. evolves. So, um, things will always be changing. That's a good point, Deb. Yeah give you a cheers for that i also Thanks. having some gouda cheese that i'm eating so i'm really enjoying this cheese with this wine oh nice i'm, I'm only having water i had a chickpea sandwich earlier but a um chickpea sandwich yeah mike makes this like chickpea salad it's really good and he mm. puts it in a pita packet is he does he roll them up like balls almost like a falafel no, he d- he smushes some of them, but it's mostly open. And then he put like almonds and veganese oh. and hot sauce in it. It was good. Wow, go Mike. and like Mike onions and chef. celery. He's on his yes. way to being a chef. Yes, he got. He's doing his first birthday party today. He's oh, good for cooking him, a lot of stuff here. Um, yeah. but then to wrap this part up, yeah, so sorry, Q yeah. would be for queer or questioning, and then plus would be an ally or an advocate. Um, and then also, so ally and advocate, keep in mind, these are not strictly nouns, but they're verbs. You'd have to be actively, um, working towards change to be considered an ally or an advocate. Yes, that's great. I love that you mentioned that. Yes, we talked about our own transsexual gender fluid, third gender. You mentioned an intersex. And then mm-hmm. the cue for questioning. Right. Also. And then, so then um, another point from the talk was that um, a cultural concept that we all should get behind is that everyone, everyone is somewhere on the continuum of gender diversity and the spectrum of that. Mm-hmm. And different parts of your life, maybe you identify more with one rather than the other. Right. Exactly. As you evolve as a human being, as we all do, you know? Right. And the last uh, vocab I wanted to bring up was uh, transgender and cisgender. Mm -hmm. So um, a trans woman would be somebody who was formerly a male and then they um, changed to to a female. Um, But then cisgender would mean that I uh, was assigned a female gender at birth. I, uh, and I currently to the States, I, um, identify with that gender. So, um, another reason why we don't say that, that, uh, we make sure we say cisgender because we don't want to establish any sort of standard or norm. So there's transgender and cisgender. Mm-hmm. So what cisgender, if you don't mind, I've, you lost me a little bit there. What so you are difference? cisgender. Oh, because I was born female. And And you identify that way. Oh, okay. We want to be sure that we're not um, promoting a cis normative culture um, and 
pushing that privilege. Okay, so we want to be sure that um, we use gender pronouns that match the person's gender, which it's helpful for, for them if they desire to undergo um, voice treatment because yes. that is one of the first indicators um, that people use to um, gender a person that they see. Right. Or over the phone. Right. Or like now video chats. Yeah. You know, like, that's like life now. Right. That's life now. And the voice is so telling, right. You could like really sense and you could really sense like emotions in people's voice too. So just, you know, the voice really does give a lot off about the person and really tells a lot about the person. So if someone feels like their voice isn't matching how they feel, then you know, they will seek out a uh, gender affirmation voice or gender, gender spectrum voice, which Christy talks more in detail about that. Right. And then, Deb, we were talking about it off air. You mm -hmm. were saying that gender affirmation voice is affirming how they are really feeling. So to, yes, right. Affirm their voice. Yeah. Dude, Cause that's how, that's who I, um, that's who I identify as. So mm -hmm. I'm just like, it's a self affirmation. I'm, I'm, I've always been this person. Mm -hmm. I felt that way. Mm -hmm. um, also, so there's this great Instagram called transplanning, planning, like explaining, transplaning. Ah. Um, and oh. I just started following them. They're relatively new. They posted about some microaggressions within the SLP community. Um, really? There's an ACLU lawyer. His name is Chase Strang Strangio. Um, and he is a transgender lawyer who argued and won a, a Supreme Court case. He posted on uh, Twitter that um, I have been exhausted this week and doing some press and I love that I get special messages from voice therapists about how I can deepen my voice. Caps. I don't care to. But thank okay. you for investing so much in my gender binary. And just a reminder, don't gender voices. Um, so like Maria said, I think it's super important. Like if somebody feels like their voice is an obstacle for them being appropriately gendered, then that would be something that they would advocate. They would come to a professional themselves. Um, right. Yes. And, and seek that help. But like don't give unsolicited advice. <laughs> Right. Yeah. But that goes for any time, right? For any time as yeah. an SLP, you know, that's still the same. Like, you know, even just like um, different dialects, if they, if person thinks that their dialect is fine or their accent is fine, you're not going to just like insert your opinion in there. Right. You could keep your opinion in your head because we know the SLPs, they have their opinions in their head, but you don't have to share it with them and tell them because they might not really want your opinion. So you got to right. keep that to yourself unless they ask you could you know, give what your findings, you know, your informal observations you've been observing. <laughs> it's like <laughs> those memes, like keep talking. I'm silently, you know, I, you. you know, I like that. Gonna bring that up. I hate that. I hate those t-shirts. I hate those memes. Right. I'm just, People, whenever are, I tell somebody I'm a speech therapist, they're like, Oh, I'm afraid yeah. to talk around you. I'm yeah, like, I don't care here. what you sound like. I don't. Like I am, I so I mean, if you have a question, I will happily answer it. If you need help from me, like I will not turn you away, but 
we are at a bar. I don't care. Like I'm not here to like, I'm, I'm, don't be embarrassed of anything that you're saying. I'm, I don't care if you stutter. I will not give you a fluency shaping text. <laughs> I will just wait for you to tell me. What exactly. You yes. Unless they ask you, then I would gladly give them free information. You know? Maybe not in a bar because then you'll just be alone. Actually, so like, here's how you do your voice. <laughs> like you're screaming and drunk and explaining stuff it's when like, everyone's just chilling. Who invited this killjoy, you know? Exactly. <laughs> we should exchange emails yes let's have a zoom uh speech therapy session let's have a teletherapy session at a later time yeah you know and then you just continue to drink your drink like i do yeah otherwise you're like the girl at the comedy show who is so weird also maybe speaking from experience so (laughs) no deb you were fine yesterday no, it's no. funny we haven't Yesterday, been out. I was great because I only had one little drink. Half That's drink. right. Started yes. to feel buzz, put it down. I was like, no, thank you. Right. Thank you for the three quarters of your drink too. You're you know, welcome. I was like, I'm gonna take some of this drink that Deb got. Thank you again. So, anything else we want to mention? Because I know you have a session soon, Deb. Yes. Uh, the um, cultural concepts you talked about. Right, the cultural concept number one, everyone is somewhere on the continuum of gender diversity. I think that's very important. Yes. Oh, here are Mike's chickens. Check them out. Oh. Oh, hey, Mike. You made some chicken. Wow. That looks good. good Chicken. Very nice. It looks like almost like fake, you know? You ever see like a fake chicken? I like the barbecue one. Yeah, they both look great herb roasted chicken mm-hmm. yes he's he's utilizing our herb garden so it makes you me happy. should good i like rosemary right. it's good just... but it's hard to grow i always kill it what? no i got yeah. you I, I, you want me to give you some want me to give you some clippings sure all right i will okay so stay tuned for a brief commercial break and then we'll get back to christy voice an interview with christy knickerbocker This episode is brought to you by The Sensory Studio. The Sensory Studio is a pediatric private practice with two convenient locations in Staten Island, New York. Traditionally, The Sensory Studio offers school, center, and home-based speech and occupational therapy through private medical insurance. Right now, The Sensory Studio is offering teletherapy sessions for speech and occupational therapy through a simple email link to all New Yorkers. Please email them at info at thesensorystudio.com or call 718-979-5678 to reach their parent coordinator. Also, check out the show notes for more information. This episode of SLP's Wine and Cheese is brought to you by Bjorn Speech Publications. Bjorn Speech Publications is founded by Jenny Bjorn SLP. It's a great resource for parents, therapists, and those studying to enter the field of speech pathology. Jenny Bjorn is an expert in the field specializing in childhood apraxia speech. Bjorn Speech Sound Cues use fresh, diverse illustrations that speak to children. For more up-to-date, child-inspired speech and language products created for therapists by therapists, head over to bjormspeech.com. And now, back to the show. (laughs) 
Hey everyone, Maria here, and I'm joined virtually by Deborah and, of course, Christy Knickerbocker. Say hello, Christy. Hello, Maria. So excited. Yes. I'm so we're so excited to have you here too. Deb's here with us, chatting. Are the three ways I'm here? Yes. Usually, I'm the only one who gets to hang out with Christy, so I'm happy that Maria's here. I got a little and jealous. I, I was like, "You're always talking with Christy. What about me?" <laughs> So we made it happen. And I'm drinking the S Pellegrino. I guess that's how you say it. Um, it's blood orange. It's a flavored mineral water. I don't know. It's very effervescent, very bubbly. And then eating oranges. I don't know how I could be any more orange unless I got a spray tan. I don't know. <laughs> well, good thing you didn't go that far. Very good thing. Yeah. I think what you're at capacity for orange. <laughs> what are you drinking, Deb? I have um, kombucha. It's the raspberry flavor and some pears. I'm not drinking alcohol right now. Um, we talked off air about this a bit. I don't feel much different. <laughs> I don't think I look different either. Um, and Christy, you said that you experienced the same. Yeah, I did this last year. I think I went like 40 days with no alcohol. Just I just didn't feel like drinking it anymore. And um, I don't know. I didn't feel much different. So I yeah, I kind of feel the same. Uh, the whole month of March, actually. Oh, yeah? And did you feel different? Yes, because when I started to drink, I was like, whoa, it's too much for me. Like, after two glasses of wine, I was done. That was it. Really? <laughs> Headaches. Yeah. Oh, so so now you spend less on alcohol. I do spend less on alcohol. Well, this is... Maybe more, maybe more on Tylenol. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> This wine is sponsored. Last is the last half of a glass right now. I couldn't finish it yesterday. I did an interview yesterday. Um, so this is a rosé wine and definitely drink this wine very smooth. So I'm the only one drinking alcohol right now. So I'm going to have a party by myself. Well, good thing because this is SLP's wine and cheese. So someone should be drinking. Someone, yes. No. Christy's still in her office. So she, I well, she probably has a bottle in her drawer. You know, don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I got to replace it every once in a while. Yeah. It gets, it gets consumed. <laughs> <laughs> what would be your poison if in the, that said? Oh man. If I had something here, it would probably be whiskey. I just can't not drink whiskey. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's just cause I'm Texan, but it's funny. Cause before I really, before I met my husband, I didn't drink whiskey. I thought it was gross. Right. So I don't know how that happened. I mean, if you're going to have a bottle of something in your office, it should be whiskey. That's like the coolest thing to pull out of a drawer. If you pull out vodka, people will be like, are you okay? Like, yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> whiskey more is like, oh, she's cool. She tettles, she takes breaks. Yeah. Or bourbon. What about bourbon? That's like similar right. to whiskey, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't really know the difference between the two. Like I really drink Jack Daniels pretty frequently. So I don't know if that's bourbon or, or I think something I think has to do with whiskey. Kentucky. One of them is only, I don't know. We've looked one this of them up only before. Made. Remember, yeah. shout out, throwback to one of our episodes when we had Katie, the OT, because she only drinks whiskey yeah. as well. Um, something, mm. Yeah, something about Kentucky. But uh, yeah, so Christy's here today and she's going to talk to us all about um, working with individuals who are transgender or going through the process. And um, we're going to talk a bit about uh, 
feminizing the voice. Is that right? Well, that's a common term. And we're going to talk about kind of the evolution of our verbiage and our nomenclature, the words that we use and what we were using and kind of how it's morphed even since I've been in grad school. So Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say it's wrong necessarily to say that because people recognize that term, but, um, it kind of went from transgender voice therapy, voice feminization, voice masculinization to gender spectrum voice therapy. And that was, I believe just because Leah Halu, who has done a lot of, um, grouping of speech pathologists who treat this population, um, also speech pathologists who identify as this population who also treat this population, which is even more super. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but she created this nice Facebook group called gender spectrum voice, um, and communication. Mm -hmm. And there was a, there was a voting, we voted for what we thought, what name we thought encompassed everything. And then, so I started calling it gender spectrum voice because what it moved from when I was in grad school, where I was learning and kind of saying, well, here's how to be the most feminine version of yourself. Um, the more I met these people and I started, um, providing services, it was like, well, let me just teach you and listening to Leia talk to, let me just teach you how to navigate this spectrum. Because mm-hmm. I, as a cisgender woman, which means I, I identify as the gender I was given at birth. So gendered female birth and I identify as female, cis mm-hmm. female. Um, and as, as that person, I, I function on a spectrum. If I am right. with my gal pals and we're out at a bar or something, I'm super talkative and I laugh at everything and I'm very obnoxious. And then if I'm watching the game with my husband and his friends, um, I may be trying to act more tough and maybe lower my pitch a little bit and body language goes with that too and, and nonverbals. But we all function kind of on a spectrum of voice. And now it's come where um, we're really calling it gender affirmation voice therapy. Okay. Because, because whether you're a trans man or a trans woman, um, maybe you want to sound a certain way, um, but our goal should not be to feminize the voice of a trans woman. It should be to give her the tools to find her own voice that she feels like represents her identity and herself in our world. Um, she may need to use it differently depending on who she's around. Um, but that's kind of what we end up doing with our services. Right. Well, that makes complete sense. And I love that you broke that down for us. Um, so what would, um, what would, uh, the evaluation period sort of look like with a new client? Yeah, so we go through kind of motivational interviewing similar to what you would do with any other voice client. Mm-hmm. Um, this includes information about what they may have been doing to change their voice already. Sometimes people come to my clinic and they've been doing YouTube videos. Um, maybe they've been messing around with some apps and saying, oh, my average fundamental frequency is you know, 200, but I still feel like I sound very masculine. I keep getting misgendered what's Mm -hmm. going on. Um, so I want to know their experience with their own voice. If they've had a history of voice therapy in the past, I want to know other professionals that they're seeing. So are they in therapy? Are they Mm -hmm. in counseling? Um, what kind of medications are they on? Are they taking hormones? If it's a trans man, um, 
has he started testosterone testosterone is going to have a huge impact on lowering the fundamental frequency of mm -hmm. the voice but there is a paper and i'm pulling this off the top of my head sorry everyone who's listening no but i know it's aaron ziegler um and and this and this oh look it's a, um it is it's it may be voice masculinization or it may be just transgender voice therapy um but it's about testosterone not doing the complete job okay. when you interview these patients and say, do you, ident do you feel like your voice is representative of you? If they just had testosterone, they're not all saying that, that that's taken care of at all. So they may okay. need some sessions of voice therapy. We think, oh, if you're a trans woman, you're going to need voice therapy, but trans men may not need it because they take testosterone, you're good to go. Right. Not always. And that paper was really landmark in discovering that. Um, and providing Aaron, us with that knowledge. Erin Zig Ziegler. Yeah, Ziegler. Z oh, you did? What's the yes. title? It's called, the we're going to put it in the show notes for everyone listening also, but Effectiveness of Testosterone Therapy for Masculinizing Voice in Transgender Patients, a Meta-Analytic Review. I feel so smart just like saying that title. You sound um, smart. I do. Well, I'm just reading. I'm just reading. Luckily, I could read. It's the rosé. Rosetta. No, it's not. It's you. It could be. <laughs> Saying the background, testosterone therapy is the predominant treatment for voice masculinization in transgender patients. Although lowering of voice fundamental frequency occurs with testosterone therapy, evidence suggests voice and gender identity may not fully align. So uh, what you were just saying, how the testosterone treatment alone will not change their voice maybe as much as they would like to. Right. Right. So then they have the results. They see, found the discussion, found that not all transgender patients using testosterone therapy to masculinize voice should expect their fundamental frequency to be lower after one year. And they talk about voice problems could be possibly affecting their, uh, their results. And they're saying a voice evaluation should occur prior to initiating testosterone therapy and involve counseling on expectations for voice, which you also just mentioned too, to find out if they are um, where, how far in the treatment of the testosterone they are, or if they even started as according to this research, they're saying to start the voice therapy first before the testosterone therapy. Yeah, I think an examination just to know, this is the great segue, because should we visualize, should we do video stroboscopy to determine um, anything else going on in the larynx before we start? So a long time ago, I had a conversation with Richard Adler, and this was years ago, and um, we were talking about should, because in our scope, it's like, well, don't treat voice disorders unless you visualize the larynx. Well, do we really consider transgender voice therapy? A voice. It is. Hi. Yes. And he walks away. He just. Oh, <laughs> um, all I need is a Frankie wrinkles. Where's Frankie? That's all. I, that's who I really need. He's been over here, just hitting oh. my leg. I don't know where he just went. He left. I need just him in my dog life. acts like I don't feed him anything. That's how they all do. Yeah. It's because dad yeah. spoiled him with treats. No judgment. I thought I was training him. I don't know. Not so much. Just yeah. Just but yes, yeah, so it interrupted me. your story. No, it's good. The, the, the video stroboscopy. So we decided, well, if, do we really consider it a disorder, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't really consider disorder. However, we're doing a lot of stretching. 
by incre- to increase the pitch of the vocal right, cords. Yeah. So we're making them longer. Um, so we may be finding some slightly uncomfortable positions. Right. Really for these people. Um, and so you want, I think you're giving them exercise too. So we're saying you may not have been using your voice a lot. Boom. Right. Here's a bunch of voice work to do daily. I think you need, there is a, an argument for a baseline strobe, um, before you begin the therapy. So, right. you know, the thought is too, then, well, do you really need to have them go see an ENT before that? If you have video stroboscopy, um, can you complete it? Do you need a doctor to sign off on that? Um, so I right. think up, up to your discretion, you're seeing anything on strobe that looks odd. Yeah, I'd send them. Or if they decline the strobe, going ahead and saying and paying really close attention to anything that's different. Are they experiencing pain or hoarseness or any voice quality change that's different from baseline? So I think that if you're at least taking acoustic measures beforehand, you're you're helping because it's like, well, here's sound like before. Oh man, we're four weeks in. You're really hoarse. What 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 can we do? Do we need an instrumental? Um, right. So I, I think those are questions you need to have with your patient. And I would think objective measurements would be important, though, just like with any client, you know. So I I don't know. I'm I'm a fan of that. I guess you would say yeah. I would like because yeah, I've just to demonstrate that. progress. Yeah, as well. Definitely. Establish the baseline. I've actually had one transgender patient one time. She came and that was it. She left. And I was like, why? But I think because insurance wouldn't cover and she didn't want to pay out of pocket. And I didn't, I didn't blame her, you know. Um, That's a really tough situation. And it, yes. Fortunately, well, insurance and then travels with travel is a barrier that's been identified as well so the fortunate part about barriers they're starting to come down at least um is that with this whole virtual baptism we're all in um right. i've been slammed with with gender spectrum patients like my right I, i've gone from seeing maybe two or three a week to seven to eight a week nice consistently wow, okay. um, on caseload so are you licensed? Are you licensed in any other state? So I'm. Oh, I was licensed in Oklahoma, but I let it lapse. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some states that have reciprocity with Texas, like Iowa. Right now, has done a blanket statement where, it, where, wherever you are, you can see patients in Iowa as long as you have a current state license. And I think there's probably other states that are doing that too. But Asha right. has a pretty good list of that running. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. I didn't know. Now. Texas is big anyway, so you would have a lot of people. I, you're just, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Texas is big. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, I mean, a thorough case history, doing acoustics, aerodynamics, video same thing you would do similar to, um, a regular, uh, voice like disorder patient has complaints of that. Things you also want to consider real quick is just a perceptual evaluation. Um, Chalet and Davies, uh, there's the transsexual voice questionnaire. Um, but the drawback is it's only male to female. There isn't one for female mm. to male. And that really isn't terminology that we use anymore either. So um, kind of dated terms on that form anyway. So I always tell right. people, I'm like, I know this says transsexual voice questionnaire on it, but that's, it was made in this year. So that, right. um, yeah. it, that the questions are what are important, how you're feeling about your voice. It's like, it's like the VHI, but it has questions specific to gender on it. Uh-huh. And do you, um, do you advise them to have a voice role model, like someone who they hope to sound similar to, or do you think that gives like unrealistic expectations? 
I think I like that's that actually a conversation. Yeah, you do have to have that conversation. And that's part of a first assignment for most patients. I say go home and usually they have somebody in mind, but go home and listen to trans females or cis females that you really like their sound quality. So I can get a listen to kind of the tone, the timbre of the voice, um, an accent that they might have. But then also it helps me figure out how we might be playing to shape uh, the resonant cavity. Where uh -huh. are we? Are we really trying to make it where the voice is really forward and small like this? Are mm -hmm. we trying to kind of move things where it's a little more tough? Are we changing it where it's kind of like that? Mm -hmm. Is the girl, is it a very valley girl voice? Are you changing pitch very frequently like this? Is it more kind of laid back and doing things where you're only moving up so far in pitch? Um, tongue placement's a really huge thing because if you have a pitch that's in range and you're doing that in therapy, it's not the only thing you need to be focusing on. You need to be focusing on where your tongue is and how constricted your throat might need to be um, to make that oral space small, where you're messing with the sound signal, the, the formants that make up that sound signal. So you're not just working on the, the FO, the fundamental frequency or the pitch. Right. But it's, it's like this, the reason I can do, hey, how are you doing? Hey, how are you doing? And it's the same pitches, but I sound like a completely different person doing those. Right. But I'm only changing the tongue position, not the vocal cord length. So we wow. teach them how to do that. And you, um, you talk about therapy. Um, we're, we're really kind of starting on principles. It's helpful to begin with resonant voice therapy. Um, I use uh, Kitty Bertolini Abbott's Lisak Madsen resonant voice therapy protocol a lot of times to kind of start patients off so they can start to recognize what is resonance that's a really weird word what is how do i manipulate that how do i work with that right so that's where you start first with resonance yeah for us to, uh you know i don't i mean i've had voice patients before but not as you know your it's like your expertise so you would start let's say with resonance and then do you have them like hooked up to something to like see um so when they like, you know, say that target phrase, like they could see it visually, like on acoustic measures, like how does their voice sound? Or is it all just like, just like with your ears, with their ears? Like, we use oh, a, does... Yeah, that's a great question. We use a combination of both. So we use um, software on computers so that we can look at the formants um, and look at the spectrogram view and compare a really easy one to start with and look at is the vowel E. Because when you move E, if you isolate that pitch, prolong it, and just move the tongue, the root of the tongue up and down, you can see where those formants change. Um, wow. And you're aiming for that higher, that higher um, formant so that you're able to sound um, more perceptually feminine where everything's being made at the front of the mouth. Um, and then you have a visual feedback. Yeah, so I, I like to use an app. I, there's a couple apps on the phone, but I, there's real-time ones that you can actually visualize pitch as well. Mm -hmm. So then they can start oh. seeing, oh, hey, I'm, I'm good at and bottoming out um, no lower than C3, which is the C below middle C. Um, and then they can start learning what it feels like to flip into falsetto um, and get comfortable with doing that. So, so your background in music theory has really benefited this type of therapy would you agree or i would i would definitely agree i don't think you couldn't provide the therapy um because i oftentimes wonder how effective i am at uh 
therapy for trans men because I can't really go very low physically in, in pitch to like mm. demonstrate. Um, so I do think that it gives a little bit of an advantage because you have, you have a knowledge of pitch, but you know, you can be an effective voice clinician and not have music background too. I think when I was uh, going over the vocal function exercises, I'm like, I don't know what F is. Like, I don't play any instruments. I don't sing. I, I dance. That's about it. So I like just went on YouTube and just try to match like, and I just typed in like F note and I'm just like, e, no, you know, like, that, no. so I'm like, all right, yeah. try to figure this out together. What does F sound like? So YouTube, check it out. <laughs> you were, you were completely resourceful. So and that's the the best thing about technology is like, there you go. You don't have to have that music background sit in front of a keyboard or a piano to do what you need to do. Um, right. But it would be yeah. a helpful to, uh, like tool in your arsenal. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. So then um, can you tell us um, maybe two or three sort of therapy techniques that you would utilize with um, your trans spectrum, your, can you say it again? Gender, gender, gender spectrum. Yeah. Gender spectrum voice patients. Yeah. Voice or like a voice, a gender affirmation voice therapy. The, um, I, I like to have them on, like Maria was saying, the vocal function exercises from Joe Stemple. So we do have them start a regimen of those so that they're able to start figuring out what it feels like to transition pitches from from low to high like that um mm -hmm. and so we fun. put them on a regimen of that right it's like choir <laughs> it is it is a lot like <laughs> choir and um the but we do a combination of kind of resonant voice therapy and then we move to playing around with certain words so if we're getting really good success with the resonance change on that e sound we'll move to words that begin with that phoneme even eel eeny meeny and then you can start doing a lot of um negative practice where eeny eeny where we have them change the tongue and feel that spectrum of movement so that they can isolate just that um and a lot of times like it's a hard. minimal pair but so yeah. you're increasing awareness of that sound by contrasting it most definitely yeah. Or like core words. If you want to teach stop, you're going to teach go too. If you're going to teach yes, you're going to teach no too. You want to teach right. two opposites. And you probably end up working on core words because you're like, well, these are the more frequently used words in this language. So might yeah. as well start there. Yeah. Um, and then we move to I, a lot of times, and you should, let the patient take the reins on it, you know. I did a session today where it was like I, we could have advanced more in resonance, but she was very interested in learning about vocal anatomy, learning about um, written communication, what's perceptually more masculine in a text message or an email, um, what's perception more feminine in that, because unless you're including your pronouns in your email signature, I don't know how we can assume anymore that someone is a certain gender unless right. you're reading the email and the nuances that you're picking up from reading that you're gendering because of how that email sounds. Um, right. Right. We also talk a little bit about uh, nonverbals. So gestures, facial expressions, uh, head tilt, uh, position of the hips, position, like how you're walking, the, the gait. These are things that 
I think, improve communication in having your patient be gendered correctly so that they know what they can try um, and see if that fits for them. Um, right. And so, it's their nonverbal communication. So you're yeah. just working on total communication. Most definitely. Yeah. Speech. It's a large that. umbrella. So speech and language. So that's great. Yeah. SLP. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Super informative. I, um, I bet that these people are a pleasure to work with because they're coming to you voluntarily. I mean, most, most of the people I see, like they're there because their teacher or their parents told them they had to, but you're seeing people who are like, I actively want to make this change. And, um, they're probably super interested and motivated. So I bet that is pretty rewarding. The most beautiful thing is to have patients come back months later, years later mm -hmm. and send me videos or YouTubes of them doing a presentation or kind of sharing stories about how they got gendered correctly all night long on their shift or um, mm -hmm. they got gendered correctly by all of their new hires. And it's just, it's empowering, I think, to know that you made a difference in in helping people navigate the world as it is. And like, I think we can all agree that in a perfect world, everyone would be accepting of everybody else. Um, but the truth is that our current cultural climate, there's still a lot of people who either don't understand, aren't willing to understand, or who actually actively hate um, people who are transgender. So it's like, you, you think about the things that you don't even think about communication. You walk into the grocery store, you talk to the clerk as you're checking out and you leave. You go right. in the gas station to pay for gas and you leave. Those small moments are excruciating at times from what my patients have told me where they're right. just wanting to be gendered correctly and it's nerve wracking to go in and do something as simple as pay for your gas right. or buy and, a Coke. And to have that idea lingering on your brain hours after that, like, small job had already finished. Yeah. I couldn't imagine that. So like, also, I mean, I can't compare it to, I, I could never understand the struggle, but like, how often do you build something up in your head? You're like, oh, I really don't want to do this because of X, Y, and Z. And I can imagine that many transgender individuals are like, oh, well, when I go to the gas station, it's going to be a whole big ordeal. So you're already like not looking forward to it, it happening. Then something happens and then it lingers on your brain after. Like I can imagine that's just like super challenging. And yeah. it's important that for their for their own well being and that they are able to have people like you who can help them and who understand and who treat them without judgment. That's really kind of you to say that. And it's just, you know, you're listening. I, I learn from patients. I learn from them all the time. And I'm a, I'm a very different clinician than I was in grad school, which is because I've, I've, I've listened and I don't know. They're wonderful, wonderful people. It's like you meet these people and I don't know. I love all my patients and I, you know, to varying degrees and stuff. And I just, I feel a special connection to, to that population in my heart. So so then I'm wondering on that note, do you have any sort of quote that you can leave us with? I don't know if I sprung this on you again. Do I ever you, tell you to No, you always do this. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to buy Christy some time. She's stretching right now. Um, I did like 
how you were saying that, you know, like you really listen to them. And I think that's important as an, as an, as a person, not even just a professional or as an SLP to just listen to other people. And like, well, I'm yeah. so glad that you were able to come on the show and talk about this topic because Deb and I really don't know much about this topic really. Right, Deb? We don't really know. No, I have friends who are transgender. Um, nobody's ever come and asked me any questions about voice. So I'm not sure if that's something also though, now that I think about it, I don't know if this impacts anything. A lot of the people that I know, they like work in entertainment in some capacity. So they probably have like a vocal background too, you know? Yeah. Well, specifically, so I'm like, wondering, I don't know if no one's asking me about it. It's all friends. It's not like clients. Yeah. In terms of like, you know, gender spectrum voice or gender affirmation voice, you really like gave us some really good tips. And like, so if an SLP is listening to this and maybe this is something, a part of the field that they want to branch out to. So I thank you for yeah. that great information. I think a quote would just be, you need to listen to the voices of others because if I'm sitting here saying, here's how I think they feel based on my clinical experience, I'm not a transgender individual. You need to listen to those who are transgender. And I think the, the most valuable thing in our field is that you actually have these SLPs who are transgender or they are non-binary, um, they're gender fluid. Um, we can all benefit from listening to their experiences and listening to how they approach life so that we're able to listen to our patients better. So I think listening. Yes. Like yeah. That. It's important to listen. It really is. And it might be hard sometimes to listen. You got to fight that impulse to cut them off or, you mm. know, insert your opinion and it's just, uh, active listening. Just not smile and think about what they're saying and not think about what you're going to say to respond to them next let that exactly settle in but um so this yeah. has been i think a great interview of slp of with christy knickerbocker thank you so much for all your information a lot of the stuff that we talked about will be in the show notes so check out the show notes and just in case they don't no, um, in case I missed one of the links or something, uh, where can they find you, Christy? I am everywhere. I'm at awtempovoicecenter.com. That's my clinic. That's my online store. I've got an active Instagram, uh, K-R-I-S-T-I-E underscore voice. Um, Is boom cards. Oh, you I know it, girl. Cards. Boom cards <laughs> off the booty. Um, yeah. And then most recently, I've splashed into the TikTok scene. So, I don't oh, know. yes, I have. Yeah, very nice. <laughs> That's, That's a current great. experiment. Um, some funny ones there. I creeped for a long time and now I'm. Yeah. No, I've been impressed with you. Because oh, I, I think as soon as uh, COVID happened, everyone like TikTok kind of increased. So, everyone, I started watching it around that time. Yeah. And then I would think like, oh, I can try this, but you actually went for it. So that was good. Well Debatable done. On the did a lot there, of the it, challenges. It was, it was fun. And there, some of them are funny. They make me laugh and that's mm -hmm. what's important, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I make myself yes. laugh. Yes. They're yes. great. They make me laugh too. They All right. Well, wonderful. thank you so much. Always a pleasure talking thank with you. Thank you. Bye, Maria. Bye, Deb. <laughs>